This is Ingredient Insiders. I'm John Magazino. And I'm Andrea Parkins. On each episode of Ingredient Insiders, we'll be talking with acclaimed chefs and food journalists about some of their favorite ingredients. We'll then be speaking to the producers of those ingredients to talk about why chefs love using them in their kitchens. You know, I always say the special episode today, but this is one I really mean. For many people who are regular listeners, they've probably heard the story that we tell about the fact that this show was going to be called The Anchovy, but we didn't call it The Anchovy, we called it Ingredient Insiders. It only took three seasons. Three seasons, three seasons to get there. Well, there's a backstory here. So yeah. this episode is about anchovies. Talking to a friend of ours, Melissa Clark, who's the famed cookbook author. I think she's written 45 cookbooks. New York um, Times. New York Times, regular column, uh, a good appetite. Wonderful human being, great friend. When she had learned that we were, before we even started the podcast, she said, ooh, ooh, I want to be on. And I already know what I want to talk about. And it was anchovies. Because she's so busy between the New York Times and writing cookbooks that it took us almost two years to get her on the show. But we are so thrilled she's joining us on this episode to talk all about anchovies. An anchovy is any kind of little itty bitty fish. It's not a species. It's just, it's actually size. And depending on where you are, anchovies can be different fish. I love anchovies, John. Yes. And I think we talk about this a lot and that they have a bad rap because of how they are used so terribly on pizza. And I think, you know, I did a little bit of research because I wanted to know when was the demise of the anchovy in the U.S. Right. Pizza's like the right. gateway anchovy experience yeah. for most Americans. Mm -hmm. So in Italy, people would eat bread and anchovies. You would almost equate it to like fast food here. It was considered peasant food or sure. when it was brought to the U.S. in the 1800s, there, there weren't little fishes swimming around here. So they weren't adopted in the same way. So you know, in 1910-ish is when pizza became big outside of, you know, Italy or Italian families in the U.S. And they started putting anchovies on the pizza and people weren't really into it. They're like, where is this coming from? I have nothing to compare it to because people weren't eating anchovies here. Interesting. So what you're saying is that like Lombardo's coal oven pizza, you know, one of the original pizzerias in New York City, the folks who started that who came probably from Naples were like, oh, we're going to do it like we do it in the old country. Right. We're going to put some anchovies on the pizza and, you know, who's not going to love it? But then they had a bad reception even right. way back then. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Well, the other thing we're going to talk about on this episode is we've got Iker Fernandez from Ortiz, probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest producer of tinned anchovies and canned tuna and tuna in jars. These guys are making like the creme de la creme of those preserved seafood products. I wasn't particularly a big fan of anchovies until I tried these Spanish anchovies, these really delicious high-end you know, product that uh, comes from an area in Spain called Cantabria. And there is a lot of work behind anchovy to make a, a great product, a meaty product, and an enjoyable product. And we do it. You know, we find on almost every episode of the show, Andrea, you love to ask, you know, what do you think of anchovies? And we always think everybody's going to say, oh, I don't like them. I had a bad experience. But we've only had one person. I was going to say nine out of 10 or yeah. 29 out of 30 or however many episodes we've done. We've only had one person who didn't love anchovies. It's not even that they, like, they don't say they like them. Ever, they love like, they them. They love them. I think we're actually like starting an anchovy movement here. Yeah, we've on uncovered the secret. People do love anchovies. They do. So this is going to be a great episode. I'm excited to uh, talk to Melissa and Eker. This episode is in partnership with The Chef's Warehouse and produced by Hey Now Media. 
What an honor today to have my good friend and New York Times food columnist and cookbook author, Melissa Clark, here with us in person today. How psyched are you, Andrea? Oh, we've been waiting for this since day one, so we're so <laughs> happy that you're here. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. If ever there was an ingredient insider, it is Melissa. She's written, how many cookbooks have you written at this point? Oh my God, um, I lost count around 40. Wow, okay. <laughs> 40 cookbooks, that's amazing. It's, it's, it is, it's amazing. Melissa and I met a long time ago. She's, how did you guys She's meet? still very young, I'm getting older. We met when Melissa was writing a cookbook on caviar. I don't even the, remember this, John. Yeah, it was like the 1990s. <laughs> you did write a book on caviar. I did write a cookbook on caviar. I was working at a company that specialized in caviar and truffles back then, and somehow we got connected. It started a friendship, a professional business friendship that's lasted a couple of years. Yeah, just a few. Yeah, just you know, a few. You know, from the 90s. So, Melissa, 40-plus cookbooks, a weekly column in the New York Times mm-hmm. called The Good Appetite. Yep, A Good Appetite. Yep. A Good Appetite. What are you working on these days? Oh my gosh, so many fun things. I mean, it's springtime, so I'm starting to think about asparagus and sugar snap peas and um, oh my gosh, I just had my first ramps. Nice. So I'm just, I'm getting ready for spring. How do you come up with ideas on what to write for the times? You know, we work ahead. So I have right now, it's springtime, but I'm thinking about summer. I'm already thinking 4th of July. I'm thinking tomatoes, corn. When you write for magazines, you're just writing about next year. But for print publication like the New York Times, we're about three months ahead so about one season ahead which is good it gives me it gets me hungry for those flavors that I'm not having right now eggplant oh my god I'm so excited for eggplant and so that's what I'm thinking about I'm thinking about um, I have this idea for this chicken with this um, sauteed caramelized corn in the skillet and you just do everything together and you've got you know buttery caramelized corn and you have seared chicken and garlic and lots of herbs and so that's where my head is right now I love it well your head's in a good place summertime cookbooks anything new coming out yeah yeah actually very exciting Um, I have a cookbook coming out in September it's called um, dinner in one and it is all one pot meals so one pot, one skillet, one sheet pan, one casserole dish, and I generally also one bowl, like super easy, really fresh flavors, fast. The kinds of things that when you're like in a, you know how you're in like in the middle of the weekday, like a Tuesday, you're like, oh my God, I'm, I have nothing. There's nothing I want to make for dinner. This is your this is your friend because you can open this book at four o'clock and you will get dinner on the table by, you know, six. Amazing. So a lot of our listeners are young chefs, A lot of them are aspiring food writers. I bet they would love to hear a little bit about how you got into the business and, you know, where it all began. I started cooking when I was a kid. You know, I mean, I think so many of us in the business just fell in love with food when we were little. I was cooking as soon as I could. Um, A big reason I started to cook is because my parents were, not that they were anti-sugar, but like our larder was bare. Like we had no cookies. We had no cake. We had no donuts. You know, I had to go over to my friend's house or I had to bake it myself. So I started baking really young just so I could feed my sweet tooth. And it's, and so it started as this baking habit then expanded into savory foods as well. I remember figuring out how to make quiche. I was like, oh, heavy cream. 
butter. Mm. And what it just went from things? there. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it went from there. I mean, we had them, but, and there's also, you know, it was such a creative process. I mean, it still is, but it was a way for me to play. I was always playing in the kitchen and I was allowed to play in the kitchen, which I think is, you know, as a parent, it's something I really encourage my daughter. Like anytime she wants, I don't mind if she messes up the ingredients. Like I want her to play. I want her to get her hands dirty. I want her to try everything. Absolutely. When I was a kid, my mom tells this story of I was watching Sesame Street and they were making a fried banana and I said, I want to make that. And she immediately took me upstairs and we cooked it together like on the stove. And like, that's my first food memory. A fried ever. banana? A fried banana. That's amazing. Was it like co- like battered? No, it was like they cooked it in butter. They mm. sprinkled just like a little bit of sugar on it and like it caramelized. And I used to have it for breakfast like as a kid for years. Oh my Almost God. Almost like bananas fostered. Did yep. she bust out the rum too and- she didn't do that, and she's a terrible, <laughs> terrible cook, and that's kind of how I started cooking. But um, I think cooking with kids and kind of starting them early is so incredibly smart. And now I want a fried banana. I know I was going <laughs> to open like a restaurant and call it the fried banana. You still could. It's a, it's I could. A, that's a good name. Yeah. Did you work in restaurants? I did work in restaurants, um, very briefly. But I worked in restaurants. I started in high school. I started working um, at a little ice cream cafe. I started scooping, and then I started making the ice cream. They had a ice cream maker in the back and I learned how to make the ice cream and I started baking the pastries. I was all of 17, but um, the owner was just like, yeah, sure. You want to do it? Go ahead and make the carrot cakes, you know, go ahead. And and so I really, I learned on the job. Um, then he decided we'd have a brunch. We'd start this little brunch. And so there I am 17 learning how to make a, ch- I remember a chicken liver omelet was on the menu. I was like, okay, chicken livers. All right, I, 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 got, I got this. <laughs> have you ever seen a chicken <laughs> liver omelet since? Actually, I have not, but it was delicious. Oh my God. Is it was this in so, Brooklyn? Yeah, it was, I mean, it's not there anymore. It was a million years ago. But yeah, it was a little cafe in Brooklyn with ice cream and a brunch and pastries. It's called Peter's. Now, one of my favorite Melissa Clark stories that I've heard over the years is you working in a restaurant, but you weren't working in the kitchen. You were working in the coat room. Oh was yeah, it you working in the coat oh, room. Oh god, yeah. No, then I work. Well, then I realized you actually make a lot more money if you work in the front of the house. Mm-hmm. So I all through college, all through graduate school, I I was a, I was a cocktail waitress. I was a waitress. I was a hostess. I was a coat check girl, and I made more money in the coat room than any other place, even more than as a cocktail waitress. And then they had they hired a new coat check woman mm-hmm. to work with Melissa. Who was it? Tell oh, <laughs> so, okay. So was, I was she wor- singing in the room? She was singing in the room. So I was working in this Upper West Side place. I went to Columbia. So I was working in this Upper West Side bar, uh, sports bar, mm-hmm. which called Sports. <laughs> oh, original. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Know, exactly. It's like the Chicken Liver Cafe in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I've had like, I've done a lot of different things. So I was working, it's a, so there I am, I'm a hostess at this, and it, they had two levels. So you had to run up and down the stairs, and I was the hostess, and they hired this coat check girl. And she was so annoying because she would sit there, you know, back in the day with her headphones on, just singing on the stool in the coat room, not answering the phone, not helping me greet the customers, not running up and down the stairs. And I was like, Mariah Carey, you get your shit together and you help me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Little wow. known fact, Mariah Carey, coat room Coat woman. checked, yeah. Coat she did. girl. Do you guys uh, keep in touch? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> not after that. No, I mean. Not after the tongue lashing right. Melissa used to give her. Well, it was funny because my boyfriend at the time was a singer-songwriter and he was always like, oh God, Mariah has such a good voice. Can you get her my music? Can you get her my songs? He's like, no, she won't help me. She won't answer the phone. No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> That's so That's funny. funny. <laughs> I hope she doesn't send you hate mail at the New York Times. No? No, I okay. Okay, I think she's forgotten all about okay, me. Good. <laughs> How did you take this kind of like love for food and kind of transfer it to writing? Where did that kind of come in for I you? I just always wrote. That was my thing. Um, 
you know, even I was always writing stories as a kid. So for me, it was just natural because mm-hmm. I was obsessed with food. So I mean, why not they, write about it? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, they always say write what you know. So for me, it was like, all right, I'm going to write about food because that's 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 what I'm always thinking about. I'm always hungry. I'm always, you know, yeah, just from one dish to another. So the ingredient we're going to talk about today is something that is near and dear to everyone in the room. We almost named this podcast after it. (laughs) It's now Ingredient Insiders, but for a while we were thinking about calling it the anchovy. We're going to talk about anchovies. I I wish you had called it the anchovy. That would have been amazing. What is it about anchovies that you love? First of all, what is an anchovy? An anchovy is any kind of little itty bitty fish. It's not a species. It's just, it's actually size. So, um, and depending on where you are, anchovies can be different fish, Mm -hmm. but they're these little fish. um, And one thing about them is that they are, they are plentiful. You know, if you are eating anchovies, you do not have to worry about sustainability issues. It's not like, you know, salmon. They're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. We got lots of them. So they're wild caught and sustainable, which is great. Which is really important right now. I mean, it's a reason that we should be eating more of them aside from the fact that they are delicious. But why do you think people are, I think people are scared of them. Maybe not foodies, but like the general... I think think a lot of people hear anchovy and they get freaked out about some salty experience they had on a cheap pizza, maybe. It's all about cheap pizza. I feel like cheap pizza has ruined anchovies for everyone else. Because I mean, mean, look, I remember when I was a kid, I had the slice, you know, and someone else had the anchovies on it and it smelled like cat food and Mm -hmm. it was disgusting. It It really was. I mean, there are really bad anchovies out there. So I think I always tell people, if you think you hate anchovies, you really probably hate bad anchovies right but give good anchovies you know a chance because they're a totally different thing yeah so there's anchovies and then there's anchovies yeah and there's a lot of within the anchovies that we get today there's a few different types Mm -hmm. so let's talk about some of those so there's the salted anchovy well so there's two ways you can cure well first of all there's let's not forget fresh anchovies like a fresh fried anchovy oh my god you know like a little plate of those are amazing. So, but that those are harder to get. Those are, you really need to be by the sea to yep. get those. But then for cured anchovies, um, anchovies can be salted um, or they can be kind of pickled. And so when we see white anchovies like Bocarones, mm-hmm. those are ones that are pickled. Um, those are the ones with the silver skin on. Exactly. And a little bit of vinegar. They come in like a tray. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they're just, and so they're, they're the same fish. They're just treated differently. They're cured differently. And so they have I mean, to me, they taste like pickled herring. You mm-hmm. know, they have because um, it's not just salt, but there's also some kind of acid. There's acidity there. There's vinegar usually is what they use. Um, sometimes they'll put a little sugar or, or other seasonings in there. And um, and to me, bocarones are their it's a, its own thing. I don't even think of them as anchovies. But when you see a white anchovy on a menu, that's what they're talking about. Um, the anchovies that I am passionate about are the salted anchovies, and um, sometimes you'll see them as brown anchovies. And those are those you can get either really just packed in salt, where they just take the fish, they clean them. They they don't even clean the guts out; they just scale them, but they leave the guts, the bones, the are bones, in there, everything. yeah. Or somehow, actually, maybe they take the guts out, but not the bones. That's right; they take the guts out, but not the bones. So they scale them, they take the guts out, but the bones are still there, and they pack them in salt. And those are the salted anchovies, which are really intense and really salty. And then you have the ones that have been salted; they've been filleted, salted, and packed in oil. And the quality of the oil varies so much. You know, you can see them packed in crappy soy oil, or you can get them packed in the best, really amazing, you know, extra virgin olive oil that you would put on your salad, mm-hmm. you know, like good stuff. And the price obviously is going to reflect it, you know, crappy 
soy oil costs a lot less than really good stuff. So there's a lot of different types of anchovies that you can buy. Uh, and then you use them for different purposes. I mean, all of them, except for the really, really crappy ones, but all of them, anything packed in olive oil or packed in salt, you you can find a use for. If you're a home consumer, you got the salt-packed mm-hmm. anchovies, how do you prepare them? So what you want to do is you want to take them out of the salt um, and rinse them because they're really, I mean, like like with capers, you know, mm-hmm. with salted capers, yes. you really need to rinse them well. So you rinse them really well. And it's super easy to just pull the little fish bones right out. The skeleton comes right out. You don't need to worry about taking out each bone. I think people see those anchovies and they think, oh my God, how do I get the... Like it's so much work. It's so much work. Mm -hmm. How do I get the knife in there? What do I do? You don't. You just use your fingers. And because the anchovies, by the time that they've been sitting in salt, the flesh is very soft. So all you need to do is just take your fingers and pull it right out. The skeleton will come out in one piece and then just rinse it under the sink. and And you have a nice fillet. And you have a nice fillet. And what's so great about those is that they don't have any oil added. So they're really just the essence of anchovy and salt. And I love to use those um, for cooking. I mean, you throw one of those in a in a pan with in a stew, or you throw it in a pan, or you use it, grind it up and put it on your lamb or your steak with garlic, with on your pork. Um, and they're the most intense salty anchovy flavor. The ones in oil um, have other things going on and they're they have a different texture. I mean, that's one of the things about anchovies that I often hear is that, yes, there's the ones in oil that you eat, you know, in a variety of ways, which we'll talk about in a second. But then you also have this other use of anchovies and what you were just mentioning with the salted ones, where you can add them to a dish, maybe to start them in oil and garlic or something, and they kind of melt and dissolve into the sauce. You might you not even know into, it's there. Yeah, that's what I think like there's the like secret umami mm-hmm. flavor and depth of flavor that comes out of using them. What are some of the you know your favorite dishes where you're putting in what I'm going to call the secret anchovy? Like, is there yeah. anything you do with secret anchovies? Oh, all the time. I mean, at this point, my daughter's 13. She knows there are anchovies in her favorite pasta dish, but we just don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> What's her favorite pasta yeah. dish? Oh my gosh! So it's like the breadcrumb anchovy breadcrumb. Oh, that's yeah. my favorite. Se- that's one of my favorite secret ways to add anchovy is cook it in oil until it dissolves with garlic, and then you add breadcrumbs and herbs to that. Um, You can add cheese if you want. We don't usually add cheese, but you can. Uh, And just saute it until it gets golden and crunchy. It's so good. We just, I mean, Dahlia will sit there. My daughter will sit there with a spoon and just eat those. Like the breadcrumb? The breadcrumb, the garlicky anchovy bread. garlicky deliciousness. And nothing wrong with that. And then we put it on pasta as as well, which is just, it's it's perfect. I love it. I feel like you could put that mixture on a lot of things though. Like you could crust fish with it. You Mm -hmm. could like... Oh, I don't know. It's so good crusting fish. You could even like put it like on a salad, like for some crunch factor. Yeah, you know, it's actually great in a salad. Yeah. I think there's an affinity with lamb and anchovies. Yeah. I don't know why, but lamb seems to go really well with anchovies. Yeah. It's, is it, does it take some of the gaminess out of it? Does it? I don't know, but whatever it is. I mean, I, I do believe that lamb needs garlic. Like, I think mm-hmm. that it's a, sort of against the law to have lamb yeah. without yeah, garlic. Yeah, I agree. So. so let's talk about now the other anchovies, the oil-packed anchovies. Yep. And there are different degrees yeah, different of grades, quality. Yep. There are anchovies that are inexpensive that come from places like Morocco and other parts of the Mediterranean and Italy that are, you know, they're not very expensive and they have a place in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, These are, you know, if you go to the grocery store and you see these small red and yellow tins sometimes, 
you know, maybe they cost a couple of dollars. What are you using that type of anchovy for? That also goes into my into my saute pan. You yep. know, that they, I dissolve those with garlic. Um, I'll use those for salad dressings, actually. I really like salad dressing with anchovies in it. So you chop those up, you throw them in. I mean, they have to be good quality. Like, you have to yeah. be able to eat them. They have to yeah. be good quality. So I'm not buying the ones in soybean oil. They at least need to be packed in olive oil yeah. at the so very So more least. of like an ingredient right. versus maybe a higher quality, like John's favorite brand, the Don Bocartes. Oh, my God. They're so good. That's a whole other story. Where you're eating them oh, yeah. to eat them. Yeah. Yes. Just plain. Whole form. Yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. do anything to those. You right. just you just unadulterated and eat them. I yes. love to take the the small tins with a decent olive oil, open them up, throw them in the food processor blender with garlic and parmesan as the, start the base of a Caesar dressing or mm, any kind yeah, of anchovy exactly. type dressing. Yeah. I, I put all the oil in everything, the whole contents of the tin. I used to like read recipes where it was like use two anchovies in this recipe. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. And I used to just open them, dump them all in. And I feel like it just enhances the dish 100%. so much. And it's so intense. Okay. Then Andrew just mentioned Don Bocarte. This is an anchovy from Spain. These are like a thousand dollars. Like creme de la creme <laughs> anchovies. They are, they, they yeah. are, they're, they're the white truffle of anchovies. Yes. These come, you know, you have to seek those out at a specialty store. I'll also mention another brand like Ortiz from mm-hmm. Spain makes a very respectable yes. anchovy. Most of these are coming from a slightly different place. They're not in the Mediterranean, but they're in the Cantabrian Sea, which is on the north side of Spain. If you picture France, go west. Picture Spain, go north. And there's a little area of the Atlantic that has this rich anchovy area. And that's where Don Bocarte is. And that's where Ortiz is getting most of their anchovies. What do you do with these precious ah. $18, $20 boxes of anchovies? Oh, my God. You pray. First of all, you don't share them. Yes, that's exactly. <laughs> that's, that's point you, number you one. You open them quietly while no one's around. And then you take a... The Ortiz has a little anchovy pick but you take a you take a fork and you just I just eat them but actually I really like them um, I really do like them on bread I mean I think that a good piece of like a little piece of toast with either butter or olive oil and just an anchovy like oh anchovies and butter to me anchovies like, and butter they can it's just amazing a lot of butter it's amazing I remember I went to uh, Osteria Moza and Nancy Silverton brought out a dish which was a piece of like country bread thick sliced and it had what looked like at least a tablespoon of butter chunk on it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so slightly softened, and one anchovy laying yeah. over it. And I'm like, God, that's a lot of butter for that dish. It was unbelievable. So for some reason, they can take a lot of butter, an anchovy. Yeah, Maybe the, the salts or I yeah, don't know. It, well, I think that what's important, I always say that whenever I make anchovy toast, so there's a couple of things. First of all, if you want to make the bread, if you want to toast the bread, which is nice because you want the crunch, you have to let it cool before you put the butter on because otherwise the butter is going to melt and you don't you need the you need that bed you need that because it's not just about the flavor of the butter it's about the texture right because the anchovy is very um it's very slick and um and it's got a little chew and the butter should just be velvety and it should just melt like the creaminess yeah, from the you butter so you get all those so it's like mm-hmm. yep. and then the yeah. crunch of the toast oh my god i'm starving wait did you guys bring me some no but i'm starting to sound <laughs> you know, it's, it's very why don't i have anchovies it's why very funny anchovies? that you said that because i was gonna ask andrea if she stopped by a spanish grocery store and got us some really nice Don Bocarte anchovies what kind of you know you, what kind yeah, of podcast is this they don't without the snacks <laughs> yeah. let's talk about another amazing anchovy 
combination, tomatoes, Mm -hmm. tomatoes and anchovies. I mean, it's like, yes, Caesar salad, yes, anchovy toast, lamb, pasta, but ripe tomatoes, because then you have the sweetness, right? And the acidity. Mm -hmm. And so just to take a tomato, cut it, slice it up, and the best olive oil, some olives, and some anchovies laid right on top. You have to salt the tomatoes ahead so they start leaking out their tomato water right all over the plate. I wasn't sure if you were going to say salt because the anchovies are so salty. But you need the tomatoes to start leaking. Got it. Not a lot of salt. Just like cut the tomatoes up, salt them 15 minutes ahead so they start to ooze sweetness. And what a simple dish. Like You know what's nice about anchovies? They're so good when you get the good ones. You don't have to do a whole lot other than just take them out of their container. If you have friends coming over that are, you know, into food. I don't know if I would share this with someone who's not like a, you know, passionate about food because they might be one of those people like I don't like anchovies, but you put these out, just lay those fillets out on a tray and you have some butter, uh, you know, and some bread or you have some slices of tomatoes. It's like crazy good, simple elegant people appreciate that yeah if they like anchovies they appreciate that oh you know what else is good to do for company you know what i do for guests a lot is i get those um little um pickled the little green pickled peppers the little spanish green you know the ones that they make gildas with mm-hmm. and yes. i'll do like a, a type of uh gilda i'll just do you know an anchovy wrapped on one of those i don't do the um, on like olive. a little toothpick yeah, yeah i don't do the olive i just do that and that is just you know that is with especially if you have something mellow with it like um say i mean we're gonna mix italy into spain here but bocconcini oh yeah you know just like right oh that's so i'm thinking about like a board right now yes a board yes like an anchovy kind of instead of like a meat and cheese board doing like an anchovy board oh i love that idea right yeah that'll be fun such a good idea i love anchovies and mozzarella or burrata too now that i think about it we're talking about tomatoes bread and butter lamb spaghetti like it's a very it's almost a universal like seasoning flavor when no matter what you're using the anchovy for Mm -hmm. yeah it's so true oh but it's also good with strong okay so we're talking about milder ingredients Mm -hmm. you know but it's also good with strong ingredients like like the combination of anchovy and tuna like how good is that like they accentuate each other and they like bring it on i i rarely make a tuna sandwich without putting an anchovy filet right on top do you put anchovies in your salad niçoise or do always. you restrict it to two? Oh, you do. Okay, always. good. Yeah. yeah, always. Why wouldn't I? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if if I can if if I could possibly find an excuse to put an anchovy. If there's in an opportunity. If there's you're an anchovy it. opportunity, I'm gonna take it. I put anchovies, I you, I have to ration myself. I'm like, okay, no more than anchovies in every like four or five recipes. I do that for the times too. I'm like, Oh, there are in that many recipes? Well, I guess like maybe not that many, but they're in a lot. But for the times, I will ration it. People will comment. They'll say, oh my gosh, you know what? Always, I don't like anchovies. What can I substitute? So I always need to build that into the recipe. It's like get ready for the substitutions. But I more than one person has come up to me and said, you are the reason that I started liking anchovies. So I love. I that. feel like I am spreading the good word. Yeah, you're doing a lot of good. <laughs> I am. I try. The Anchovy Association of the Americas would like to thank you <laughs> yes. for that. So when someone says, I don't like anchovies and I need a substitute, is there something that works? Yeah, it depends on the dish. But yes, I mean, first, you know, anything strong. You need some a strong flavor. Um, 
capers, olives, sun-dried tomatoes. If they'll, if they'll use fish sauce, I will add, tell them to put in some fish sauce because that's, that's a good really, one. Because it, well, first of all, it's made of anchovy, so. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was yeah. about to, to bring up that other subject of, of colatora. Colatora, yes. And, and fish sauce. Yes. Ancient products. Yes. How do you use those? So those are the essence of anchovy when you don't want the texture, when you just want the flavor. So um, colatora is from Italy um, and it's anchovies that have been gutted, salted, and then they are left to age. And it's actually what, when you read about ancient Rome and you read about garum, it is Mm -hmm. a direct descendant of that. And it's this rich anchovy elixir. Um, In Southeast Asia, you have fish sauce, which is very similar, but they add other sea creatures to their salted mix. Not just anchovies. Not just anchovies. So there's often shellfish and other things in it. So it's it's a different flavor. Mm -hmm. Um, But both of them are just, they're just pure essence of umami and they're so good um just to add a little bit in everything that one another tomato pairing is i'll make a salad in the summer where i'll put fish sauce olive oil just sprinkle it on tomatoes and that's it like herbs you're done this has been so fun i love talking about anchovies i don't know what it is maybe we should have named this podcast the anchovy i think maybe season three at first we were a little scared because so many people were like you know some people don't like anchovies and what if you you know and we didn't want to turn off any listeners. And now after we've asked so many people what they think about anchovies and almost unanimously everybody loves them. And now we have you <laughs> and there's no bigger expert on food in America than Melissa Clark. So I cannot tell you how thankful and grateful we are to have you here. Um, if you do not own cookbooks by Melissa Clark, go on Amazon.com today. There's a library for you to choose from. <laughs> I think you need an anchovy cookbook. And every... Yeah. That's a good idea. I think, Andrew, a great idea. You want to write the forward to it? Go on the New York Times every Wednesday. Melissa has a column just about every week. Is that right? Every single week, yeah. A good appetite. Melissa Clark, Brooklyn native. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. This episode is sponsored by Conservas Ortiz, producing some of the finest anchovies in Spain and a great partner of the Chef's Warehouse. Well, today, Andrea, we have an amazing person here in the studio live, which is always fun. Yeah, we have Iker Fernandez from Ortiz. He runs our, their U.S. market. Conservas Ortiz. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Andrea and I are bona fide anchovy freaks. So another thing that Ortiz does incredibly well is tuna, canned tuna, preserved tuna. Yeah, which it's I'm a also, product. Yeah. All the Ortiz products are quite incredible. Very recognizable label to Andrea. It's that red and gold which you'll see at many great specialty markets in the U.S. Of course, Chef's Warehouse has it and a big line for us that we're very proud to carry. Iker, let's talk about anchovies in general. Andrea always likes to say they're a polarizing item in the United States because people kind of love them or they hate them. They're obviously extremely popular in Spain. Tell us a little bit about the history of the anchovy. Yes, uh, they are. They are pretty well distributed all around Spain and in the U.S. The U.S. has been a great market for us. Anchovies, well, as, as you were saying, or you love them or you hate them. A lot of people had bad experiences with anchovies, right? Salty anchovies, fishy anchovies, grainy anchovies. And there is a lot of work behind anchovy to make a, a great product, a meaty product, an enjoyable product. And we do it, but the anchovies must be preserved in a correct way. 
right? They, they should be always preserved under 60, 65 degrees on a cool place. You know, as today, you put a yarrow and chobis in the street, in, in 20 minutes it will be destroyed. They will be salty and fishy. What we do in Conserva Sortiz since 1891, so more than 130 years, uh, and it was one of the first business, the anchovies. We fish the anchovies in the Costera time. time. Costera time is in spring, between March and, and June. Uh, they are fish in the Cantabric Sea between France and Spain, Mar Cantabrico. There are quotas these days. Uh, years and years ago, the anchovy was overfished and we had to stop fishing for a short period of time. So they came, they, they were able to come back. Now there are no, no issues with that, but they are quotas established. So no, no, nobody can overfish. So we use fresh anchovies, bring it to the factory uh, the, same, the same day. And the first thing we do is we divide it by sizes, right? So depending on the size, the anchovy will need to go longer or shorter on, on, on salt. Then we take out the head, we take out the, the inside, and we add them in a, in a barrel with a layer of sea salt and layer of anchovies, layer of sea salt and layer of anchovies. We do this for between six to seven months. This is how the, the initial process of the anchovy. Amazing. They're cured. You said a lot of things there, though, and I want to jump back yeah. for a second because I'm so curious. First of all, I have heard that anchovies in general, as far as a canned seafood product, are very healthy and they're sustainable they're, the way that they're caught. You hear a lot of things about mercury and certain canned and tinned seafoods. And then there's always, you know, you hear a lot about bluefin tuna and things like that that have issues of sustainability and, and how they're caught. And let's talk first about, you mentioned that there's a season for catching these. It's not a year-round fishing season. So that season's in, you said, March to June? It's between March to June. Yes, when the anchovies come to the coast. That's the, that is called the, the costera of the anchovies, no? Because they come to the coast to Spain. Are you fishing them using nets? Is How does it... Yes. I, I was going to yeah. even bring that up. Is what in, I think everybody knows what an anchovy is, but sure. an anchovy is just a small silver fish. Are there different types of anchovies or is it just kind of one species? There are different types of anchovies, different species. I mean, they are part of the, let's say, the sardines family, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's a blue fish. Like the salmon, the sardines is, is, is healthy for you. It's really good on omega-3. It has so many good characteristics. And we fish them. A lot of the anchovies are fished at night with lights. So the anchovies come up to the surface and we use surface nets. to All to, wild to fish. caught. All wild caught, yes. Okay. yes. And we bring them to the factory the, the, the same, same morning. So you were saying that there's 500 people in the factory essentially working in this short period of time to size and cure all these anchovies. Yes. John, it's similar to like the tomato harvest in sure. Italy where you're fishing for a period and then you are curing and packing kind of yearly. Yeah. Which is it's pretty It's like cool. any seasonal, yeah. whether it's winemaking or olive oil making, where there's this time period where the product is in its right. plentiful state and bounty, and then you catch it and bring it in and, and produce it. Another thing you talked about earlier that I really want to get into is people have had bad experiences with anchovies. Yes. I always think in America, people have these really salty anchovies on a, a pizza, an inexpensive pizza. They may be, you know, the origin of the product is certainly not Spain and Cantabria, which you just mentioned. Why are the anchovies from Spain, and in particular this place called the Cantabrian Sea, what makes them so much better? Because you mentioned the word meaty, mm -hmm. and I think to me that is part of this whole thing, is this really delicious, not salty, 
not fishy. You're tasting the fish. You're tasting it, but it's it's a totally different experience. To me, a really good anchovy, and it's a bad analogy, but it tastes like really good tuna. Yes, and it tastes like uh, sometimes like a steak, right? Yeah, they're so meaty that they take they 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 are similar. What is meat. it? What is it about the Cantabrian Sea? Is this sea? I mean, it's part of the Atlantic Ocean, right? But it's is the part that gets into Spain and France. So near um, San Sebastian, Biarritz, that area. Yeah, that area, San, San Sebastian, Biarritz. We are located uh, right there in the Basque, the Basque uh, country. The species, because the, it, this is a really wild sea, anchovy. It's like going to the gym every morning in the Cantabric Sea. The Cantabric Sea is is a lot of is currents. Elder currents is big, as I'm sure that you 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 guys have here about the uh, the surfers in San Sebastian and all the all the area. Yeah. So it's a wild sea. It's really a strong sea. So these little tiny fishes that they are like 10, 12 centimeters, they have to fight uh, with the sea. So they are muscular. They're getting a good workout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are not like the let's say the Mediterranean anchovies. That is a, you know much. A, a, much a lazier anchovy. Yes, yes. So it's like being on the sofa or being on the gym, more or less, right? After having the anchovies in salt for six, seven months, we don't use scissors in conserva sortie. We use a knife and we clean every anchovy by hand, one by one. We take out the bone, take out the skin, and open it and clean it, put it in, in the tins and the yards. That's, That's the really important part. I was lucky enough to visit an anchovy factory in Spain. I was really amazed to see that everything is done by hand. It is mostly women who are doing it. I don't know if it's the smaller fingers, the smaller, more delicate yes. hands, but I did see that everybody working on the production line was a woman. And they work so efficiently. You just have to picture tens of thousands of these little fish coming in and they separate literally the head from the body and the bones all by hand. It's quite amazing. They let me try it. I mean, I was ripping the fish up. And it wasn't a good. No, we talk about this all the time, John, that, you know, we're sitting here looking at a jar of anchovies or a tin of anchovies. And, you know, when you walk into a market, that's all you you see. You're not thinking about all the women who are the amount deboning of all the fish. It's incredible the amount of work that goes into this. And it is truly an artisanal product. When and you talk, crafted. Yeah. Right? It really is. They're not inexpensive either. I mean, the top anchovies are, you know, per anchovy can get very pricey, but mm-hmm. I have to say they're worth every penny. It's a lot of work, a lot of work behind. Um, every single anchovy is cleaned by hand, uh, one by one. And then about the grainy anchovies, you have to keep the anchovies at a, a specific temperature because this is not a preserve like the tuna. The tuna has been cooked twice. The anchovies, you cannot do that. You will you will destroy the anchovies you put it on the heat tunnel. So the anchovy has to be all always in the distributor warehouses refrigerated and then when it goes to the store always under 60 65 degrees Fahrenheit degrees that's good to know so should we be storing our anchovies at home in the fridge after opening after opening before opening in a a cool place just don't let it get hot okay that's good to know then it will get uh, grainy. Yeah, I think that is, you know, one of the reasons why maybe people don't like them because they're not storing them properly. So most of what we've been talking about or thinking about is the Ortiz anchovies. We call the anchovies in, in olive oil, but here a lot of people call them uh, brown anchovies. Brown anchovies, okay. I mean, it should be pinky, a pinky, yeah. reddish pinky and uh, colors. So, Got it. Yes. So now there's another type of anchovy that I want to talk about that's become very popular in the U.S. recently, which is the bucarones. Correct. What does bucarones even mean? These are the the anchovies that are a whitish color and on one side they have a silver skin still attached mm-hmm. yeah very different than the traditional the cured brown ones. or, or red mm-hmm. anchovy that you see so the fish is the same 
John. Okay. It's just the, the, the process, the process uh, on both items. Fish is the same. Sometimes the anchovies are even called the boqueron, no? The anchovy, boqueron. the regular anchovy is called the boqueron. But the white anchovies, they go to vinegar for a short period of time, and then you, you, you pack it and, and sell it. Got it. The brown anchovies or anchovies in olive oil, they go to salt that makes uh, the color to change to brown color or pinky color is the salt that is aging and changing the color of the anchovy and it aged for six, seven months. So same fees to two different processes. So I see. Okay. I so one, the other way around. One is cured with vinegar. Mm-hmm. One is cured with salt. So the bucarones are in vinegar. They keep that silver skin on. How are they used differently in Spain or in cuisine? I mean, white anchovies are served not in that many uh, recipes, right? I mean, while anchovies you can use is, uh, to create different sauces, salads. I mean, one of the of the first tapas in Spain are the gildas. gildas. You may remember the gildas. That it has the bass pepper, two olives, an anchovy on a uh, toothpick. On a toothpick, yes. Got it. So Love that's that. the uh, the one one of the main. Uh, and that's where bucarones are used. And sometimes, and we have another pincho called matrimonio. Matrimonio that is marriage. Uh-huh. So it will be a white anchovy with a brown anchovy together. Nice. Uh, because you have the uh, saltiness and the firm texture from the anchovy. You have the softness from the white anchovy and the vinegar. So it's a perfect uh, combination of, of both. I'm so, starting to salivate. One thing I do love about the bucarones is the way when the silver skin shows because it's really beautiful and vibrant. People are eating anchovies in Spain. Here you use it in, in Caesar salads, right? You use it a lot in Caesar salad. You use it in Nichoise salads are well as well. Pastas, I see more and more pastas uses anchovies. Pizzas, of course. But please, please put the anchovy on the pizza after it comes out of the oven. That's yeah, don't key. cook and let them mm. shrink. That is a great tip. If you're making pizza, finish the pizza in the oven and then use this as just a final garnish so that you get all the flavor and the beautiful look of it. We're so proud of Chef's Warehouse. Ortiz has been a partner of ours for, I, th- I want to say, at least 10 to 12 years if not longer yeah. or more. Yes. So if you're a chef or restaurateur and you are looking for this product, it is available nationwide with the Chef's Warehouse. Or, or at chefswarehouse.com. Or chefswarehouse.com. Thank you very much, Andrea. You're welcome. The new website looks beautiful. I'll throw that out to you right now. <laughs> also, Iker, where can the home consumer buy Ortiz products? Yeah, the chefs, as, as you are saying, they can find it in the, the Chef's Warehouse. The consumer can go to some of the national chains like Whole Foods Market. You can find it in uh, the Fresh Market as well, Cost Plus Market. So there are there are retailers around the country where you can find them a part of your local local specialty food store. Yeah, my two cents to the home consumer. When you're there and you're looking at the shelf and you need anchovies for a recipe, you can find those really inexpensive little tins. Seek out the Ortiz, pay the extra couple of dollars because it really is worth the extra spend for this product. Absolutely, 100%. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Iker. Thanks so much for coming up to visit us here in the studio. And bringing us delicious tuna and oh, anchovies. Oh, did he bring us some treats? He did. Oh my goodness. There's all different sizes here, uh, tins, jars. The larger tin is for food service, and those are going to be the largest of the anchovies. And then the medium size here and the retail would be the smaller fillets. Thank you, it has been a pleasure to be with you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Seeker. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ingredient Insiders. Follow us on Instagram at Ingredient Insiders. You can find the products discussed in today's episode on chefswarehouse.com.